time for episode two of the Chicken Coop. Ricky Nixon, how are you, sir? Toot toot, motherfucker. Toot no, toot, motherfucker. I'm going well. It's been a, I've probably had my best week in about 10 years, just about. Heaps of health checks over in South Australia, and Swanee played a great game, and uh, yeah, lots of great footy, and yeah, I thought the Collingwood St Gilda game. It was a great score-wise, but it was a shocking, exhausted players that I saw out there. But we'll talk about that a bit later. We certainly will, mate. It's been a uh, it's been a big week. The um, the chicken coop number two on the Apple Sports <laughs> News podcast charts. How do you like that, mate? Yeah, well, it caught me a little bit by surprise. I must admit, and um, you know, talking to a few well-known people who have podcasts, they're like, "How the f did you do that, chicken?" I said, "Well, that's the story of the chicken's life. He always crosses the road first. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it certainly does, mate. Uh, we've got a big show. We've got lots, lots happening. So let's get straight into it, mate. First up, we've got popcorn chicken, and the huge <laughs> topic <laughs> at the moment <laughs> is oh, um, what is it? Mate, you would never it, let me know this. It's all. Yeah. It's all about." Uh, Player sexuality. What what the hell is going on here, mate? The uh, Herald Sun. It's all over the place. Why is people so concerned with the sexuality of players? Oh, look. I guess some people would be looking at it and go, "Oh, wow, this is surprising." And who is it? I've dealt with this for forty years. You know, I've dealt with mates back in the eighties who didn't know where they were going. And I, I guess since I've been at school, I'm not being egotistical, but I've always been someone who people came to. Kids came to, you know, when I was in school, etc. Don't know why. I've been in curly hair. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I guess I was, a, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I love Gil McLaughlin. I know people might bag him over certain things. I think he's done an exceptional job in a period that, you know, the game went through with uh, COVID and everything else. And, you know, I think nine out of 10 things he does is great. And one thing he doesn't, well, I'll have a go at him as well. But, yep. you know, when he was asked about gay footballers last week, um, I sort of was a little bit surprised by his reaction. But, you know, I guess to give people a little bit of insight is I've dealt with that for 40 years. I mean, So, Ricky, for any, of our, for any of our listeners, just give a bit of a, a, a recap of what Gil McLaughlin's sort of comments were about this? Well, he said that, um, you know, there's obviously a number of gay players in the AFL. Now, how would he know? He doesn't deal with them. He doesn't manage them. I do yep. or did. And I know if there was or there wasn't. And there was. And, you know, I, I, I've dealt with probably well over 50 players. Now, that would surprise people who have confided in me. Um, I've checked in with a number of them this week and they said they're absolutely fine with me speaking generally about it tonight because... You know, it does still play on their minds. But sometimes players have come to me when they're, and they've had a big weekend. They've been drinking, they've been on drugs, they've done something. You know, and that might have been they've been in a threesome. It might have been that they actually woke up in the morning, they're lying next to their best mate when they both had their pants off. You know, it's, does it make them gay? I don't know. I certainly love my gay friends. Um, when I say that, you know, I kiss them on the cheek when I see them, but it doesn't mean that I'm gay. But at the end of the day, they have to rely on me and to confide in me. And I'll never forget when a player came to me, and I won't say the, when exactly it was because I can't remember, late 90s, early 2000s sort of thing. And he said he needed to see me. And I sort of suspected it was about alcohol or drugs or gambling, which most players came to me for. But he walked into my office and he said, Rick, um, I've been offered 150 grand to go on a footy show. Yeah, right. I said, 150 grand for what? He goes, to say that I'm gay. I said, and I sort of went, what? Uh, uh, and I don't know why to this day, and I'd done it a couple of times previously about other matters, is I said, mate, 
Um, I'm not going to ask you if you're gay. Can you just give me a second? I'll just go and get you a coffee. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, right. I used to use that as a chill out period to just think, God, how am I going to handle this? Yeah. And this guy was shaking. He was sweating. He was like, he was like he had a hangover. And I, I walked out and I, I was like, everyone outside him, like, what's wrong, Ricky? What's wrong? And I'm like, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And I thought about it and I walked back in and I said this, will 150 grand make you happier? And he looked up and he said, no, Ricky, it won't. I said, well, then why do you need to tell the world you're gay? And he said, do you think that I shouldn't? I said, I don't think that, mate. I think this. If you win the premiership this year, I'll be the first bloke to run on the ground and kiss you. Now, he laughed. And he'd gone from being depressed to laughing. And he said, mate, thank you. Because what you're saying is this is about happiness, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. It's about happiness. And I don't, I've had so many friends, so many players come to me and say they're gay. Not say they're gay. I probably shouldn't say that, but say they, they think they are. They've been with a girl before. They're now with a guy. They don't know what to do. They're worried about what their friends will think. They're worried about what their family will think. And I sort of, I guess, I was that sort of conduit in the end that, that they could come to and speak to about it. And, um, you know, I don't have the answers and I would say things like, well, I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm heterosexual sort of thing or, you know, I, I, I said, look, but if you ever think that no one in the world has ever thought about the other way, including myself, probably when you're drunk, you think about things in your life and, you know, um, I probably led into the wrong story there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's, it's, that's, um, a whole nother, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, Ricky, but, do, it, you know, you see this stuff in the media. What kind yeah. of, what kind of bakes my noodle a little bit is that, it seems that, you know, this clickbait, it's disguised as empathy. Yeah, know? correct. And, like, things have changed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, I remember being at a friend's house, a very, very high-profile music industry person who said, and most of us knew that he was gay, and the door was, someone knocked on the door, and he said, go and answer that chicken. I went and answered it. It was one of the biggest rock stars from overseas knocking on his door. And I thought, what's going on here? And it was well known that they were gay, and I shouldn't laugh about it probably. But um, at the time, we all laughed, and we all hugged and kissed and everything else. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, do we have to make a big deal out of sexuality? I mean, at the end of the day, that's a person's private choice. Does, and at the end is, of the that's day... The thing. Like, do, yeah. do we need to know? Is, like, is it really no, that important? we don't. We don't need to know. And all this is is clickbait media at the moment, putting it on Gil McLaughlin. Gil makes a comment. That's headlines tomorrow. Now I think Scotty Gullen's come out. And, you know, I like Scotty, Scotty Gullen, but you know what, mate? There's plenty of people at the Herald Sun who are gay as well. And, you know, you've got to worry, worry about your own life. And yeah. all I, the one thing I said one day to a player who said he thought he would go down that track, I said, mate, the only thing I care about at the end of the day is you holding up the Premiership Cup, and he actually did that year. And I, th- and, I think um, that we mo- we most joke- fans, that's all they care about too. I mean, I don't think yeah. many fans give a fuck who somebody is going to bed with. Well, what we've got is we've got the elephant in the room now called social media. Yeah. And people love to get on there and they love to make big statements about certain things. I mean, I'm sure people say stuff about me. I never see it anyway and I don't care yep. because I've learned to live with it and you move on. And, and look, just forcing a player to come out and say he's gay for the sake of sensationalism in the media, you know what? Piss off. Yeah, somebody, somebody wants the clicks. Mate. Worry, about your own, worry about your own backyard, you fools. That's it. Mate, speaking of like ex-players and players from back in the day, you know, you've got the AFL and the AFLPA collective bargaining agreement, which is meant to represent players in their best interests. Do yep. those organisations 
take in consideration past players. Now we know that you know that there's there's a lot of issues that can come with uh, having a, a career in football, whether it's you know health issues, you've done your knee a hundred times. You know what support do any of these organisations provide for past players? Well, I think the AFL Players Association, AFL, are in for a bigger shock than I heard people reporting today that it's all about what the current players should get and AFLW girls. Look, I've got a lot of friends who play AFLW and I totally understand they want a pay rise. But I also know that there's a very prominent ex-player working very hard to form an ex-players association that's totally outside the AFL and it's going to take the AFL on. And um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting what happens. Um, Gil McLaughlin, who I said, I've got a lot of time for Gil. He's made these long-term deals and a lot of, a lot of it has um, been to do with, you know, securing the future of the AFL, but it might be also securing the financial future of the AFL because there's going to be a lot of court cases coming up. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I noticed today, you, you know, you, you threw a shout-out on Facebook uh, asking for the uh, the best question, and we, we've got a winner. It's uh, Stephen Adams. We've got a winner. Stephen Adams, oh, yeah, Stevie. who yeah. uh, commented on your thread today. Um, yep. Which, by by the way, what's what's your uh, what's your Facebook, you know, handle or whatever, Ricky? What do you have? What's you, my name uh, or my? Well, you're you're pretty well full, aren't you, with friends? Oh yeah. What happened was uh, back four or five years ago when I my my you could only have five thousand friends, and I had fifty thousand followers. Yeah, right. And they blocked me. And I was pissed off because it, I couldn't promote a local footy game. Yep. So I thought, stuff you. So I started Ricky L. Nixon. And that got 5,000 friends in two and a half minutes. And um, I promoted the game. And, and what Facebook don't even know, and I probably shouldn't tell them, is you can tag your um, blocked account in. And yeah, it right. still comes up on that. And then that happened again another two years later. So I started Nicky Rickson. Now I've got three full accounts. And uh, so that's why it is not about me, 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 me. It's just to make sure that community footy gets a benefit of... Like, if you use the word flog on Facebook now, they they block you for, you know, three weeks or two weeks. And I, this is a true story. Um, about six months ago, I joked about something to do with cigarettes, and my mate said, oh, you wouldn't know about smoking, you ever smoked in your life. And I said, shut up, you fag. You know, now fag is the word used for a cigarette. And they blocked me for three weeks again. I went, ah, yeah. finger up at you. Yeah, and just use the, other two, use the other two accounts. It was just a clever play on words. That's it, mate. So Some of us are Stephen, Stephen Adams them. has asked, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing Australian rules football right now? And how can it be addressed? Hard-hitting questions, Stephen Adams. I personally know from experience, even in the last three weeks, that being out in the local country areas, um, I'm in South Australia at the moment, I'm going to Mildura this Friday, is the AFL needs to put a strong focus back into country footy. And I'm not talking about Victoria, I'm talking about all over Australia. Because I have never had more country local footy clubs around Australia approach me in the last six months, desperate to get players, back into the game because COVID has made players go, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of what they've done to me. And they're desperate for players. They're desperate to raise money. Um, and I think this is going to explode in the next couple of years. But the AFL's focus needs to be on what made the game big in the first place, and that's local country footy, local metropolitan and country football. And if they just want to focus on other things, well, guess what? It's going to come back to bite them on the ass. Do you think that the country football is... 
is you know booming the way it is because there are limited options as opposed to like you know in the built up areas mate, there's a hundred things kids could do but in the country towns there's not as I look many what's options. happening is in country football is that if you're lucky enough to have a couple of prominent farmers who've got a lot of money and sponsor the club and you can attract players to the club well that's great and good on you but there's not not every club's in that position and um you know, the amount of clubs who are asking me for Ruckman, even today I would have had five clubs say, can you get me a Ruckman? And there's no Ruckman anywhere. And why is that? I'll tell you why. Because they've all gone to basketball yeah. where they don't cop the same crap. They don't, they get paid on time. Um, and basketball is booming in Australia and so is soccer. Yeah, they're massive. Hey, mate, what did you yeah. think of the, the gather round? You know, this weekend... Mate, I couldn't yep. watch. I couldn't watch Collingwood and St Kilda on on free to wear TV. I, mate, if oh. I didn't, if you didn't have a, uh, what do you call it, a subscription Fox, with KO Fox, or yeah. a Foxtel account, yep. I, I couldn't watch the game. Yeah, I thought that was pretty ordinary. But I guess if the start of the year you said to me the biggest game of the year would be Collingwood versus St Kilda at round five, um, I would have laughed at it. But um, yeah, it's disappointing that the best game can't be broadcast. But that's only going to get worse in the next. 10 years, I can tell you now, they're going to sell it all out to Foxtel. And, you know, good luck to Foxtel because that's what they're about, a subscription TV. But, and all over the world in America and the UK, you have to pay to watch sport anyway. Wouldn't they they'd get, you, more you, homes, they'd get into more homes with Netflix, wouldn't they? Yeah, but this gather round, I'm not quite sure I heard the Premier of South Australia talking about today. 85 million, well, show us the 85 million. Show us. Stop staying a figure. Show us how the 85 million came into the economy. Where did it go to? Did it go to benefit the Adelaide people that are lying in the gutters or the people struggling? And all the people who drove over the money went. I think it's just a crap figure. I really do. I mean, you look at the games in the lead up to last night's game. Even the game last night, Collingwood St Kilda, there was empty seats everywhere. I mean, they're crapping on about it. It was full book and, you know, what a great round it was and everything else. I Look, I think the idea of it is great. I'd like to see them next year do this. Play in Adelaide. Well, it is anyway for the next three years. But where I am right now, Mount Gambia, second biggest city in South Australia. Why isn't there a game here? Why don't you get down to the bottom of South Australia where you can get people from Port Lincoln coming across, where you can get people from Warrnambool, people from uh, Portland, people from Port Ferry, all within an hour or so coming to the game. And and the biggest, biggest um, what would you say, um, criticism I heard was people went across assuming oh, I'll just get a room at the Hilton I'll just get a room at the Pullman you couldn't get no anything, accommodation no people were sleeping in their cars um, so a bit more thought look I think the idea is good I think it just a bit more thought needs to go into it and I hope they consider some of the things I just said yeah well um, mate, uh, 85 million's a, a, a big bump into the economy if that's what they really believe happened yeah correct and look if they can prove it and they're right, well, I'm happy to apologise. <laughs> hey, That's mate, not going to um, happen. Mate, it's, it's time for the chicken scoop. And I think uh, <laughs> this week, mate, we, we have got to keep this conversation going. We touched on it in episode one. I know that you're involved, heavily involved in health testing for this sort of thing. And uh, being that you've managed, what, over 1,000 of the current 5,000 players still alive that have played at least yeah, one game in the cool. AFL... I mean, I know people have spoken to you about it. We spoke about it last week, but concussion, big story. Yeah, look, it is. And I, the, the people need to understand, and I'm not lecturing you here if you're listening now, is that there's two sides to the concussion. There's a the legal battle based on past, I guess, um, concussions and being able to prove that the 
um, health state of a player is what it is because a concussion very hard to prove. And then there's the 14-year-old kid who gets knocked out tomorrow. What are we going to do about him? And you know, and it doesn't matter if it's a 28-year-old playing at Mildura where I'm going this week. My passion has to be there that I have to look at the current. And when it comes to the past, I need to actually make sure that at least the best outcome is for the AFL, the players, and their families. So that's what it has to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be – we can't ruin the game over it, uh, but we have to make something that's fair and reasonable about it. That's true. But, you know, you've, you've got friends that have come through this industry that, as you were saying last week, you know, people that can't remember their kids' names from time to time. Yeah, look, I mean, it's shattering some of – and I, I, I don't want to disclose some of the stories because they're heartbreaking about memory loss, but – one that I asked to play today, does he mind? And I'm not going to declare who he was. Came to see me about three weeks ago. He was a player from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Anyway, he, he saw me and he explained to me how he's struggling. And then he rang me about two hours later and he said, are you still right to catch up? And I said, uh, I caught up with you two hours ago. He said, no, you didn't. I said, uh, yes, I did. Oh, fuck. And he's gone, and he went like this, he went, Serious chicken, be, be honest with me. You caught up with me. I said, yes, I did, mate. And he goes, mate, I'm, I'm F-U-C-K-E-D. Yeah. And I went, oh, my heart just, I'm like, and it's getting worse. I'm getting these stories every week. And I want to do something that brings everyone together. We've got to make this work for everyone. And the Players Association, AFL, you're on notice. Get together, get your heads together and make this work for everyone. Well, we know that it's cost, it's cost lives in the past, hasn't it? It has, and it's not just in Australia. It's all sports around the world. And I don't want to see a 14-year-old kid get to 25 and start to struggle. Yeah. I want to make sure that we've got things in place where he can be tested and he gets tested, say, six months later, three months later. It doesn't matter if he's deteriorating, gets to a neurologist and starts to get help now. And unfortunately, one of my best friends, Danny Frawley, didn't have that position where we could get him help. We just looked at the decline and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what it was about. We didn't know how to react. We've, we've got to be better than that. Yeah. Yeah, we certainly do. I think that um, concussion is probably going to be a, a big story that uh, evolves over time to do with the, the game of Australian rules football. And Yeah, uh, it is. And I'm, I commence next week um, testing at local football clubs. I'm going to balance it up 50-50 in metropolitan areas going out to country areas. I've already got a massive lineup of clubs. Um, and, yeah, it's um, at least we're getting on the front foot. What's what's in, how, how do you test somebody? What's involved in that? Uh, what it is, we've got the only um, health department, TGA Therapeutic Goods Association, approved testing machine. It's for brain functionality. So with concussion, um, if you get concussed and your brain's starting to decline, it's about the functionality of your um uh, brain. And so what this eye box does that um, we've got is you have to follow an object around a screen. There's no, sorry, let me explain to people this way. The only two ways to test your brain is simply this. You scan it, and if you get a scan, it shows bruising or damage to the brain, but it doesn't explain how you're thinking, what your memory is, what your brain functionality is. So the other way of testing is brain functionality is to have your eyes follow some, an object around a screen for three and a half minutes, and that tells us if your concentration lapses after 10 seconds or you're not focusing. So it tests your brain functionality. And um, if that declines, if a 14-year-old, 24-year-old, 34-year-old, doesn't matter, gets concussed, we test them straight away. We test them three months later. 
And um, if it's declining, we can get your help. And the problem with um, dementia and loss of memory is it comes on your arena, you get to about 50. But if we could identify it at an early age and get you to a neurologist, they can do certain things that revolve around brain training, um, food, diet rather, um, and things like that that help you make sure that dementia doesn't come on early. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's something that we need to keep talking about, mate, because, um, you know, it's uh, it's a pretty st- sad state of affairs when you hear about people that can't remember their kids' names. But even worse than that, when it uh, affects the decision-making of a person so much so that they might inflict pain or suffering on themselves or other people. Yeah, absolutely, and um, no one wants to see that. No. And, um, you know, I hope that uh, today's a bit of a line in the sand and we all work together, not the other way around. Absolutely. Hey, uh, speaking of working together, you, you know, you continue to do these community games with Swanee, um, you know, as Collingwood <laughs> legend. Mate, mate, uh, do, the, do the AFL assist with anything to do with that? Like when, you know, you're taking somebody like him into these country towns... What you know? What, well, is, there any investment, is there any investment in that from from the, the governing no. body? No, there's not. Now I know they would argue that well, he's probably being paid for it. You're probably being paid for, etc. But to see the looks on people's faces the last three weeks, like the crowds at the game were like local football would draw. You know, probably a couple of hundred people if you're lucky. Or last week at Nangwari um, and Masao the week before, they they had over probably two thousand people there. Um, you know, it draws everyone from farming communities, uh, you name it. Um, Swanee is, look, I didn't manage Swanee. He wasn't a friend of mine. We knew who each other were probably four years ago. Now I'd have to say I've got the greatest respect for him. He's probably the best ex-AFL player. I shouldn't say the best, but up there with him. Um, the likes of a Matthew Richardson or Doug Hawkins, et cetera, who just give themselves to the community. And, um, he signs everyone's balls. He he gets photos with them. Uh, when I think he wants to get out of there, I say, "Do you want to go, mate? Let's get going." He goes, "No, no, chicken. We've got a, we've got a few more people want things." He's just amazing, and we're going to Mildura this week to the Gold Gold Hawks, which is up on the Murray River up there. So it'll be huge. And um, you know, this has been like you know a certain opposition management group have just started a similar thing. I've been doing this for 25 years with the likes of Barry Hall and Jason Ackermanis and Daniel Kerr and people like that. Um, It's got to get back to community footy. And it's what I said before without harping on it. If we forget about what this, this game was built on, this game will collapse pretty quickly. Yeah, it will. But in terms of even the AFL as a machine, even if they weren't investing cash into this, they have yep. access to a huge marketing resource, and whether it's through you know their web-based content, through the oh. you know visual media, I mean yep. these are the sorts of things that they could probably invest a little bit of a little bit of um, screen time, a little bit of airtime, to help promote yep. these events for these country or regional clubs to help boost their profile. Well, you, well this wasn't planned, Marky, but I am going to go bang bloody bang right now. You're already Tell going me which sporting. What, what, tell me which sporting code in the world has its own media organisation, AFL.com. What a load of crap that is. When the AFL owns a actual news media organisation that bags its own players, that reports negative things about its own players. Do you reckon they've reported one thing about Dane Swan attracting thousands of people to games in the community? No. Yeah. I mean, they, this is the greatest crap organization, I'm not talking about the AFL, I'm talking about AFL.com, 
that I've ever seen. They are pathetic. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It's been called by the chicken. AFL.com can suck a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't go there after the first topic today, but anyway. (laughs) That's true, but that leads me into one of our favourite segments moving forward. It's Toot Toot, motherfucker. What, mate, what have you got? (laughs) What funny Toot Toot stories you got for us this week, buddy? Oh, I had to think about this. I thought, well, go, well, it is a footy story, but when I was teaching at Carey Grammar, private school in Kew, very big Hawthorne area and near Glenfrey Oval, I'd only been there about three weeks and I said, um, yeah, all right, before we start the phys ed lesson today, put your hands up if you're barracked for Hawthorne. And everyone in the room put their hand up <laughs> except this girl. And I said, who do you barrack for? And she said, oh, Ricky, I barrack for uh, Carlton. I said, why do you barrack for Carlton? She said, because my mum and dad... They, you know, they love Carlton. They both, they forced me to back for Carlton. I said, well, what if your mum was a prostitute and your dra- dad was a drug dealer? She said, well, Ricky, it's pretty simple. I'd back for Collingwood then, wouldn't I? <laughs> and she, oh, very good. Her, name was Fiona, her name was Fiona and she went, Fiona goes bang. Fiona goes bang. Wow, <laughs> very good, mate. Um, mate, we've, uh, last week, there was uh, this promise that we're going to have some uh, some pretty big names coming up on the show and at the moment we there's a couple of things we haven't mentioned mate uh, first of all people can probably tell but you're out of town at the moment you're on the road promoting uh, ground roots football grassroots football um, so uh, yeah I've been uh, at Nang Wari, the Saints in the, just out of Mount Gambia and on my way to Mildura now um, where the Gold Gold Hawks who uh, sit on the Murray River. They're actually in New South Wales. And we're pretty excited because there hasn't been a game up there. Campbell Brown played one about five years ago. Is this where so Swanee's Ro- playing this coming Saturday, is it? Yeah, Swanee's playing this. No, it's actually Friday night under lights oh, at the Gold Gold Hawks ground. Yeah. And they're up against Bamble, who uh, undefeated last year, won the premiership, and their girls won the netball championship. So it's going to be a fair task for Swanee. But um, to his credit, he's, he's, yeah, he's played about, I think, 17 of these games. He's probably been best on the ground at least 13 times. Very good. And the, he keeps himself in great shape and, yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, the, the other the other thing we need to mention is uh, your mates at uh, MG Plastering. Oh, my hey. mates at MG Plastering. <laughs> now, I, I want to mention, uh, he, he wants me to mention him, Matty Patsell, but i got to mention Marty. Marty, is the, she's the queen of Mount Gambia. She runs the show. This plastering business has gone from a couple of plastering boards to building a secondary school two weeks ago, multi-million dollar project, and now he's on to the next one. And uh, no, MG plastering are absolute rippers. But uh, also, too, and and Matty Patsell, a good mate of mine who runs it all, he's a good mate with Swanee now. Now, I just want to mention Swanee because he always bags me. (laughs) He said, Chicken, I play for St Kilda City. You live in Port Melbourne, Port Melbourne Culture, biggest game of the year, and they played on Saturday, right? Yep. And we looked at the scores five minutes in and St Kilda City's four goals up. And he's, ah, chicken, you got no idea. I'm the best. Let's have 100 on it. I said, all right, done. Anyway, guess what? The Port Colts got up by four points. I said, hand over the cash, pal. <laughs> oh, mate, mate, can't we go double on Collingwood St Kilda? I said, oh, you are the tightest bastard I've ever met. All right, let's go double. So he's texted me with three minutes to go. Hand over the money, chicken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, a minute and a half later, he's like, oh, oh actually, chicken, yeah. Um, no, and I, then he hung up his phone, he turned his phone off. Yep. I don't know what's going on. I think the Saints were going to get up if we played for one more minute. Classy move. Yeah, correct, mate, correct. Uh, mate, um, who got up your sleeve for our weekly guest coming up in a couple of weeks when we're, when we're both back in Melbourne? Well, I want everyone to know that um, we've been caught out a bit the last first two weeks because of, um, you know, I was interstate and things like that, but 
already I know I've got some big names lined up that people don't hear. They don't hear from. We've got a rare opportunity coming up, haven't we, with a former AFL, other than Warwick Kappa, probably you know the, the, one of the biggest superstars in the game. Oh, I'd say that. In fact, a, a great story about this guy, and his name's Tony Modra. They call him Godra. Godra. Great bloke. Just, just a ripper friend of mine. And he told me Tuesday, or the, I told him the first one last week when I caught up with him, and that is, um, I went, I flew over to Adelaide. I was really excited because this was like this new superstar's coming through, and he's like, oh, wow, how good is he? So I got a taxi from the airport, and the guy in the taxi is talking to me about Collingwood, Risa, and Dale, and everything. And we go down this street, and there's all these girls screaming out the front of this house. So mate, what's going on there? Are the Beatles in there? And he goes, no, he, he, Tony Modred lives there. I said, what? He said, that's where I'm taking you. Anyway, so there's all these girls down the front. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Anyway, I signed him up. And he actually told me last week how um, he, when he, I invited him over to join Club 10, how when he was sitting near Wayne Carey, you know, Gary Ablett, Tony Lockett, he was sitting in the corner shaking and almost like, you didn't tell me they were going to be here. You, you and I actually went, oh. They? You, could, yeah, you couldn't get exactly. a more intimidating list of superstars, though, mate. Well, he's, he's probably right. Look, he's an absolute ripper bloke, and hopefully we'll have him on the show soon, and the Ben and Cousins of this world, and hopefully Gary Abbott Sr. We're going to have the people who re- people want to listen to. Yeah. And, mate, they and are, are the people just... that people want to hear from. Mate, Ben Cousins, what yeah. an absolute superstar. Yeah. Oh, look, I love Benny. Um, and to his credit, or you know, he, he admits to what he's done. He's... Uh, I, I don't want to say a lot other than this. Benny's out there for his kids right now, battling real hard. Well done, Benny. I love you, brother. Yeah, well done, Ben Cousins. Mate, big big fan of Ben Cousins. And obviously, yep. you know, God himself. I mean, mate, um, yep. you know, he, he could shatter the frequencies to our listeners. I mean, getting, now, getting I mean, uh, Gary I'm Ablett not gonna say I'm not going to say he's going to go on the show, but no one's bruised this bloke's chest more than chicken. And I'm talking about Plugger. He does yeah. nothing in the media, or he has lately. He pumped up Nicky Winmo. Oh, I thought that was terrific on the weekend. Like, Cuzzy, Nicky Winmo, that's his nickname, Cuzzy. Yep. Yep. Good friend of mine. And at times, him and I have fallen out. We fell out over a thing in Tasmania last year. We didn't speak for six months. We both got together. We both kissed and cuddled. And that's what I love about when you have a fight. You get back with your friends. And I encourage everyone listening tonight, anyone you've fallen out with, go and kiss and cuddle them and get back together. It's the way to go in life. There you go. I should have, uh, I should have listened to this episode before I split up with my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there, Mark. <laughs> uh, mate, and uh, mate, before we wrap up tonight, Ricky, we've got, uh, we'll get our favourite, our favourite little segment, which we're going to end it off with. Chicken goes bang. Who we got, mate? Well, no, Mark. I'm going to jump in, though, on you. I've just got a couple of rumours going around, okay? A oh. couple of rumours, yeah. And Phantom Frosty, you'll hear about Phantom Frosty. He's the ripper kid. I love him. Yes. Him and I get together every week and we talk about the ins and outs. Here's a big one for you. Nat Fife. Four clubs chasing him. North Melbourne, Collingwood. I won't name one with the red and black stripe. But guess who's got front runner for him at the moment? The mighty Saners. Really? It'd be very interesting. Adding to the kids they've got, Nat Fife into your team next year. You heard it first from Chicken Goes Bang. There is and an the exclusive. Saners, while, while I'm on it, a very prominent person who has put a lot of money into St Kilda over the years, I believe is looking at potentially building a massive grandstand at St Kilda for 35,000 people and making Marvel Stadium obsolete. Now, that could be huge. 
Jesus. Geelong, look at it, Darcy Parish. And before you know it, you better be careful, Richmond, because Nathan Broad could be off to the West Coast Eagles. Wow. So chickens jumped in there. Mate, and also, uh, and a couple of pluggers before I go bang, <laughs> but um, I've got to give a shout-out to Boomer Harvey. He's a ripper player, great oh, yeah. friend. And, mate, they broke a leg. I really felt for him. I was actually uh, nearly had a tear in my eye. Mate, they say he waited 50 minutes for an ambulance. Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, that happened last year in a game that Swanee played in where, um, you know, he was – there was a guy knocked out in the last minute. There was five points in the game. And, um, yeah, they had to wait, like, 50 minutes for an ambulance. It was a bloody joke sort of thing. So, That's unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah, it certainly is. And, um, you know, some of the other things that I just want to quickly mention, I'm just trying to find them on my computer. I've got them here now, so here we go. Um, yeah, there's, um, there's uh, certainly some things that uh, are going on at the moment. Uh, and Blake's Army, who uh, Blake is a kid who got bone marrow disease in Ballarat when he was 10. His dad, Luke Dryden, is an absolute ripper of a bloke. And he started Blake's Army. And this really plays with my heart a bit because, you know, he's got Paul Ruse on board. He's got uh, Fraser Gary, Justin Langer, Finch, all the big names. And Melissa Mitchell is a friend of mine. And John O'Brown, of course, a big Brisbane star. Yep. And what this is about is helping people like the Maddie Rewalt, Nick Rewalt's sister. You know, we don't want to see kids suffering from bone marrow disease. No. So if I can just make this quick and easy... Go to blakesarmy.org.au and up the top is the reserve button. And then what you can do there is enter yourself for a free leadership program with Paul Roos. So I'll just say that one more time. Go to blakesarmy.org.au and at the top of the page, you'll find um, uh, that uh, there's a place you can enter in the reserves and that's where you get yourself into the real mainstay with Paul Roos and people like that, okay? Hey, Ricky, can you, can uh, you, can you put... All of that on on your on all of your fifteen thousand yeah, actually uh, yep. on your Facebook pages. Yes, I will. And I just want to mention Craig Wessels is based in the US and he's got a podcast called um, A Yank on the Footy, <laughs> which is a little bit interesting. Um, but I tell you what, he talks about local footy all the time. The local players, A Yank on the Footy, get onto that a podcast yank on the footy. as well. Yeah, you'll, yep, you'll, and you'll put all the, this on your um, on your socials too. I'll put this on my socials and um, also uh, the Heat podcast, which um, Tegan. And Holly had me on last week. Two great girls. I love them. Uh, that comes up this Friday night, the Heat podcast. So thanks to MG Plaster as well. Finish off with this. Kane Corns. Kane Corns. Look me, look me in the eye, mate, because you're looking down and you're weak as piss. Yeah, you're a friend. But sometimes you need a bit of a punch in the back of the head and I'm going to give you one. Here it comes. Stop crapping on about Jason Horn Francis. Here's what I would have done. Instead of bagging him on radio, instead of actually saying that, you know, why are people booing him and everything else, why don't you put your management hat on, Kane? And this is what I would have done if I managed him, and I've done it probably hundreds of times. When Gary Ablett or Wayne Carey or a lesser-known player came to my office and said, chicken, they've booed me, I don't know what to do, my family's stressed everything else. I said, mate, it's only a clap. Every boo is a clap. They're only saying it because you're someone. And this player said to me one day, but what do you mean by that? I said, because you're going to be a super duper star. That player went on to win two Brownlow medals. What do you got to do when people hate on you? Take it in as an endorsement. Jason Horn Francis, you could play, son. You're a ripper kid. And it wouldn't surprise me if you win a Brownlow medal. You heard it first to your chicken. And Kane, chicken goes bang. Wow. You go bang. And, mate, Ricky, come on, let's face it. 
that are people forgetting what it's like when you're a kid? You love to go there and boo somebody. hundred oh, percent, mate. You love and, it. No, I mean, I guess... People can love somebody on the football field and boo them. We were talking earlier, and I said back when I was a kid, you go to the MCG Bay Thirteen. You know, I'd be watching the West Indies play in the old Kerry yep. Packers World Series of Cricket. Yep. Mate, Viv yep. Richards comes walking down the race with his bat. Everybody's booing him and abusing the crowd. Correct. We loved that yeah. guy. Mate, I booed him as well. But you booed him out of respect. We loved him. Sense. Yeah, are you trying to yeah, put these people him. off? Yeah. I mean, if they didn't Correct. care, they wouldn't make a sound, you know? 100%, you, mate. You're you know, on the so, money, Marky. So, um, yeah, you know, take it as a, uh, a sign of endearment. So, uh, mate, chicken, that's the chicken coop, <laughs> episode two. Uh, what do you reckon? Get it out there this what week. Are, we get to number one. What do you think? Well, I hope so. We get up to number one. And Melissa, I've got bad news for you. I've done too many bangs tonight. You're no chance tonight. See you, Marky. <laughs> See you, buddy. See you next week, everybody. This was episode two of The Chicken Coop. Ricky Nixon, Tony Marks. See you next week. <laughs>